Our scripture text for the message tonight is Isaiah 9, verse 6. Could we please read it together? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this prophecy of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, promises a child would be born, a son given. And that child, of course, is Jesus. And, and we read, he will be called such and such. And what follows, he will be called, are characteristics of Jesus, characteristics of the baby born in Bethlehem. Last Sunday morning, we started the Advent season with uh, the fact that Jesus is called Wonderful Counselor, and all that entails, and now tonight, Mighty God. Mighty God. So you might be going along in in your Bible, and and you read this, and and maybe you're even doing uh, a little small group Bible study, and you see these names, and, and you talk about what, they could mean in the bible and what they might mean to you and uh, on the surface you could go a lot of places with this term for jesus right mighty god the almighty god made the heavens and the earth and john one john has a christmas story it's different than matthew and luke but John has his own Christmas story. John 1 tells us about the Word who became flesh, Jesus, and that he was there in the beginning. And so all things were made through him. And and so this Jesus, born of Mary, existed before he came to earth as a baby, even all the way back in the beginning. And he was the creator truly an example of the might of this child who would be born and come. Or, mighty God, you know, we could go the direction of the miracles and the wonders he would perform during his ministry on earth that we read about in the Gospels, healing the sick, those nature miracles, raising people from the dead, and how he forgave people their sins. By doing all of those things, he demonstrated that he is truly mighty God. And if we went those directions with mighty God, that wouldn't be wrong. And it's always good if we're drawn to be in awe of our Savior Jesus, if we're drawn to profess him as not only fully man, but also fully God, and thus worship him. But if we went those couple directions or some other ones, we'd be missing what Isaiah is telling us here. Mighty and God are a very particular couple of words, and those words are El Gabor. You can see it up there. Those are, it's, the, it's Hebrew, it's Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, a little bit in Aramaic, which is very closely related to Hebrew. But this is what's in 
the original Hebrew, El Gabor. And I want you to leave here tonight knowing this name for Jesus and what it tells us about him and all that it means for your life. El, short for Elohim, means God, and Gabor means mighty, just like we have in our Bibles, but it's a particular kind of mighty. It's not mighty creator. It's not mighty miracle worker. It's mighty warrior. Gabor is a battle term, and it can mean valiant, hero, manly, vigorous, a champion. It all has to do with being victorious in battle. And tonight, we're going to rejoice in El Gabor, promised here, and who would be born at Christmas. We can rejoice first because this child is the El Gabor of your history. From the earliest chapters of the Bible, back in the very beginning of history already, we see that there's a battle going on on this planet. We see it in how God's good creation became fallen in sin because our first parents, Adam and Eve, succumbed to the temptation of Satan in the garden. Back at that time, we have the promise in the Bible of Jesus coming already, where God talks about the seed of the woman, and we learn that there's going to be a conflict between her seed and the serpent seed, a battle between God's children and the children of the devil. The seed of the woman would be traced through the history of the people of Israel, the children of Abraham. And we, we find, as we read in the Old Testament, God's people Israel experienced almost continual strife, conflict, battle. Whether it was the Egyptians, the Amalekites, or other Canaanite tribes, the Philistines, later the Assyrians and the Babylonians, all of these were in conflict with God's people Israel, and they battled them with a goal to totally wipe them out. And so Israel needed God to rescue them and to protect them time and again, and, and, and they totally depended on him. They were a pretty small people uh, and not nearly as battle-hardened in the midst of all these bloodthirsty and ferocious tribes and nations in that little section of the Middle East. And Israel knew that they needed God. They called God their El Gabor in the book of Joshua and Judges. King David, who as a young man fought and defeated Goliath, and who during his reign battled so many of God's people, fought them off with his armies. He writes in Psalm 24, Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Literally, he writes there, The Lord is El Gabor, our mighty warrior, the one victorious in battle. And so El Gabor was a name God's people knew and depended on and lifted up in song and in their prayers and in worship. 
El Gabor, we need you. El Gabor, rescue us from our enemies. El Gabor, don't let us be snuffed out by these godless people living all around us. El Gabor, protect us so that your promise will be fulfilled of the coming of the one who would crush the head of the serpent. Around Isaiah 9 and the verse we read, uh, there is, and the promise of the child, there is also battle language going on. Little Israel among the nations, after the reign of King David's son Solomon, became divided. Ten northern tribes and two southern. And so God's people, in, in a sense, became even weaker at that time in the midst of their enemies. Then, instead of depending on God, alliances started to be made with the nations around them. Uh, wicked King Ahaz of the southern kingdom did this, and Isaiah came to him with a word from the Lord, depend on me, but he didn't. And in the near term, because of Israel's sin and falling away, Isaiah is saying, you're going to be overthrown by nations like Assyria and Babylon. You're going to go into exile. And as the Old Testament history goes forward, we learn that though the majority of God's people would start looking elsewhere for rescue, they'd be looking to chariots and horses and whatever weaponry technologies were of that time. They would become allies with godless people. While the majority would be doing that, God would be preserving a remnant who would keep their trust in El Gabor. Isaiah promises that despite the overthrow of Israel as a whole, God would yet fulfill his promises through a small group of faithful so that the promised child would come to bring the light and to bring good news, not only to Israel, but to the whole world. And so we see over the course of history that God never failed to rescue and keep his people against all their enemies. We learn in the New Testament that those who believe in Jesus are children of Abraham. And so that history of the Old Testament, that's your history too. And that's my history. And, and that's why there, it's so, the Old Testament books are so critical. Uh, these aren't some, this isn't just some group of ancient and foreign people unrelated to Christians today. The Bible says God's people in the Old Testament are our brothers and sisters through Jesus Christ. And this means that when we think about uh, the battle lines of history, now I'm not talking about the tiny battle lines like those between the Republicans and Democrats or between our president and those who want to see him going down. I'm talking about the real serious battle line where it's really at between light and dark, between God's people and God's enemies. In the battle lines of history, the real battle lines, we see God has been protecting and defending us. Not just them back there, but us. 
their history is our history. Because El Gabor has been battling the enemy for millennia, we can be and we are here right now in worship because of what he did back then, protecting and preserving his people. That's how we're even here today. That's how we can have faith church and live as soldiers of the one true mighty God in the world and pledge allegiance to Jesus and to his church, not just this local congregation. I'm talking about his worldwide church and pledge allegiance to his kingdom and his kingdom cause. We can also rejoice because this child is not only the El Gabor of our history, but also in our life. He is the El Gabor in your life. He's preserving, protecting, defending us from our enemies right now, this very moment. If you're worried in your life, if you're concerned, and if you're fearful, trust in El Gabor as he's been faithful in history to his children he's faithful to you his child now that's a promise uh we read a little bit earlier from our catechism and it was a little section from the apostles creed uh when it talked you know the apostles creed we confess uh in in the church too and it says there about the church that it has existed from the beginning of the world to its end And in that history of the church, Jesus, the Son of God, through his Spirit, is gathering and protecting and preserving a people, us, for himself. And we read later on when the Catechism is talking about the Lord's Prayer that our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, never stop attacking us so the battle says god's word and you experience it in your own life and i do in mine so we know it experientially but also because what the bible says is true the battle rages on and so we pray what jesus called us to pray deliver us from evil and we know that he is able to deliver us from evil because he's mighty god and he's as we've seen, always been upholding his people, never letting us go down in defeat. And he's done that all along. And he won't let us today go down in defeat either. Sometimes when we feel in life that we're in trouble, we're, we're, we're kind of in a corner, a dilemma, um, what we try to do is, is, is figure out a way out of our problem and, and, and the issue and the situation. Kind of try to start with saving ourselves and keeping ourselves strong in whatever trial or battle we're facing. And, and that's what God's ancient people did too when they were making alliances with their enemies. Forgetting not trusting in God anymore, but instead making alliances with their enemies. And and by doing that, instead of trusting in the Lord, they really sealed their fate. Uh, But we do it today too, when we don't depend on the Lord, 
We can make side deals with the enemy, too, uh, when we accommodate to the world. Um, and you know, today, it really seems like the majority of Christianity is caving, making compromises. Christians making compromises in their own life, making compromises with their families, making compromises in their churches. And we do that, all of us, in our own lives, obviously. But there seems to be a wholesale compromising to the world and the culture with how we're spending our time and, and resources, what we're prioritizing. The remnant, the faithful, know and expect this. It's always been the case but instead of compromising too, by God's grace, we keep putting our trust in the Lord because we know El Gabor is going to prevail every time. He's stronger than Christian's enemies. Finally, we rejoice, friends, because this El Gabor is on our horizon. He's on our horizon. Jesus came in the fullness of time and he went to the cross and he won the victory over all his enemies and ours in principle, as we say. And so he has won in our hearts, and we know that, and we live by it, uh, despite many people around who continue to resist him, who don't recognize his kingship, we know that in the end, every knee will bow. And that day of Jesus' second coming is going to be one of dread for those who have not in their lives enlisted in his army. But for those of us who have bowed the knee to our warrior king in this life, that's going to be a wonderful day. Titus 2.13 is a really striking verse that talks about us in this present age looking ahead to our blessed hope, says Paul in the book of Titus, our blessed hope. And what is that? It's, it's the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so rejoice in glorious hope. El Gabor came in the flesh at Christmas. He dramatically displayed his power over the enemy as he cast out demons, as he went to the cross and rose again defeating sin and Satan, and we can experience his victory now. And he's coming again. So put your life, put your faith in his hands all the way. No compromises. Don't cut corners. He'll never let you down. He'll always keep you safe from the enemy until uh, the world, our own sin, the devil have been completely vanquished in the new heavens and the new earth. What a hope. What reason for rejoicing. Isn't this child, Jesus, born at Bethlehem, wonderful? Let's pray. Oh Lord, as... We've been 
learning about you from your word tonight and what Isaiah is telling us about you, Father, and about your son who would come at Christmas. And as we see all the evidence before us of your keeping your people safe and defending us from evil, from, from trials, from struggle, giving victory in the battle. I ask tonight, O oh God, that you would, uh, in a very special way, come alongside all those who are feeling weak in the midst of the conflict, feeling beat down because uh, we can all feel that from time to time, our own sin in our hearts, trials, suffering, challenges, problems around us can really pull us down. Help us, help all who are, are, are struggling in the battle, struggling in the fight tonight, O oh, oh Lord, to find their hope in El Gabor, our mighty warrior king, Jesus, who has always rescued and preserved his people and who we trust will continue to do that. And we know it, Lord. We know it. Just help us to have that hope deeper in our hearts. And, oh, oh God, we also ask for forgiveness for the times that we have looked elsewhere for rescue. And we pray that you would help us by your Spirit to see you who you are and in, in seeing that we might be holy, committed, and give wholehearted, no compromising allegiance to Jesus in our lives. And may that be true for this church as well. No compromises, full allegiance with the help of your spirit to King Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, and it's in his name uh, that we go out to face our battles tonight and the week to come knowing that he has conquered and he will. In your name we pray, amen.